0: Welcome guys to the Six Pennies Podcast. We are doing a quick reactionary podcast on the Game One of the Eastern Conference Finals and the Western Conference Finals. It's myself, Alby,
1: and Mock. How are you doing, Mock? I'm doing all right. I think I might have caught whatever Timmy had oh, somehow wow. over over the podcast, but uh, I'm gonna hang in there.
0: You think Timmy caught it from James Harden and then you caught it? From
1: him? <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I have to think so as a Rockets fan. can't. Can't think that he just chokes in big games.
0: Yeah, I mean, I hope you're, I hope you're okay. Houston is down zero one, but we'll dive into that in, uh, in just a little bit here. Uh, we want to make sure we give props to Derek Shaw and Farmers Insurance. This episode is brought to you by him. Um, he is gonna give you a free home, life, and auto insurance quote today. So don't be caught unprepared next time there's a hailstorm or a hurricane season's coming up. So just give them a call or text them at 214-729-6462. That's 214-729-6462. Derek Shaw Insurance. Alright, let's go ahead and dive into uh, the East first. Uh, I didn't really catch much of the game on Sunday. I was watching Tiger Woods uh, make a you know round four charge there on the front nine, but um, it looked like Cleveland just got outplayed, out-hustled,
1: out-hearted. Um, you, were you able to w- watch any of the game? I only saw bits and pieces. I was, I was playing basketball myself, so when I had a couple of minutes between games, I would, I would catch some of the action. I'm not surprised that they won. I'm surprised how badly the Celtics won, but at the same time, I, I think everyone's kind of overreacting a bit. Like we all, No one would be surprised if LeBron came back and won in five, right? Yeah, nobody. I
0: think that's a pretty good bet. To be honest, there's a lot of value on that right now.
1: Yeah, but at the same time, you know, Boston obviously has home court advantage. Game two is tonight in a in an hour or two in Boston. So, uh, in a lot of ways, like it, it's not even a must win game yet for LeBron. Uh, but what do you think is going to happen tonight? I deposited some some money into my DraftKings
0: account yesterday. So I've been kind of like following, or I want to follow the NBA playoffs a lot more. So I'm looking at all the different prop bets, like, you know, player rebounds, assists, points and stuff. And this is what Vegas has LeBron James tonight. Over under 34.5 points, over (laughs) under 9.5 rebounds, over under 9.5 assists. So basically they're saying at an average game, he's going to have 35, 10, and 10. That's that's really absurd if you think about it.
1: Yeah, I did. You put any action on those prop bets? I did not.
0: Like it's yeah, it, it's... it seems so high to me. But that's just to me. That's the standard that LeBron has set, whether it's good or bad. I mean, yeah. I saw some of Game One, and to be honest with you, his he he looked like he checked out. Like the effort mm. level that he put in was definitely an F. His defense is already like an F to a C, in my opinion. And when he doesn't care, it's almost like James Harden to me. Yeah. He's just standing there.
1: After the game, he had some comments like, you know, game one is always like a feel-out game for this series. And, and, and I probably agree with that, um, I think. But at the same time, I think everyone, and, and we talked about this on our previous pod, the preview pod for the conference finals, I, I think everyone is downplaying how good Boston is, especially defensively, right? They have a bunch of 6-8 six, six six, guys that you, they, can, they can throw at LeBron. And Toronto just didn't have that. They had a couple guys. Most people don't even know who they are um, that they were throwing at LeBron. And, and, I mean, to be fair, LeBron was making ridiculous shots against Toronto all series, especially game two and, two and three. But, yeah, Boston just has more answers defensively.
0: Yeah, heading into that series with Toronto, there were a lot of stories about how, or art, a lot of articles about how Tor- Toronto had a lot of bodies actually to throw at LeBron, OG, Anobi, Siakam, all these guys. And it's like, are you guys serious? Like, who? Exactly. Like, why? I can't believe those articles were even written. It was almost disrespectful. <laughs> Whereas, you're right, <laughs> they, had, Boston. They, had,
1: they had a better guy last year with James Johnson. He, I think he matched up pretty well with LeBron. But other than that, it's, it's hard. I mean, granted, LeBron was making like 20-foot fadeaways uh, with a hand in his face. Not anything you could do about it. Yeah, those guys, like I said, like most watchers of the NBA won't even know who those guys are, right? Yeah,
0: yeah so let's, let's just kind of visualize Game 2 tonight. And let's say, you know, LeBron has a of 30-10-10 game biggest questions will be, where are the other 75 points coming from? Where are the other, you know, 40 rebounds and up the other 10 assists coming from? You just don't know with this team. And it has to be Kevin Love. I think uh, mm-hmm. Ty Lue has made an adjustment and said they're starting Tristan Thompson. Uh, Tristan yeah, that's why they didn't
1: do that first game.
0: Yeah, Tristan Thompson actually plays Al Horford very well uh, throughout yeah. the years. And even in Game 1, they were matched up for nine minutes and Al Horford did not record one rebound or one point in those nine minutes and so um yeah I think I think Tristan Thompson will be a nice addition but again you're right man Those those guys over in Boston they are not afraid at all they're only 19 20 years old and this moment is not too big for them
1: yeah quick question for you I had a Talking about the Celtics, pretty much during this whole streak, I've I've been kind of just talking trash to my boy Maxwell whenever Boston wins, and they've won a lot, obviously, without Kyrie Irving. You and I both kind of feel the same way about Kyrie. Let's talk a little bit about another Duke kid on on that squad, Jason Tatum. Yep. So I, I had a tweet that said Tatum was maybe the third, possibly as low as the fifth most important player on that team, and, and he was like incredulous at that. I I need your opinion on this. Is that statement that crazy to say?
0: Of the current makeup with all the
1: injuries? The current makeup of the Boston Celtics.
0: So if he's third, are you putting Horford
1: and Brown as one and two? No, I'm putting Horford and Rozier as one and two.
0: Yeah, Rozier does make a huge difference. But I think if Rozier has a bad game versus Tatum having a bad game, I think the latter will hurt Boston more, in my opinion. Oh, so you have Tatum second? So Horford's definitely won, I think horford's like right. impact on that team is just you know it can't really be quantified into stats and numbers. I like Jalen Brown because everyone is focused on Tatum, so I think Jalen Brown right. is better at at this stage in their careers is yeah he just gets buckets yeah better at getting buckets but tatum if you if you saw some of the highlights from game one, his pull up threes were real like real big daggers and real momentum yeah. killers for Cleveland. And so, Rogier has that same impact, but I don't know. I guess I would put them as 3A and 3B, to answer your
1: question. Okay, so you have Brown second.
0: Yeah, I have so Brown second.
1: Morris and Smart, like, you can make an argument right now for both of them as well. Yeah, and,
0: I mean, Mar- Mar- I think it's Marcus Morris. Yeah, yeah. Marcus Morris, um, he, he basically just... Uh, tooted his own horn and said he's the best defender of LeBron outside of Kawhi, which is fine. Like, I don't don't really hate that on him. Like, if you want to say that, it's good. But you also have to make sure you back it up. And he definitely backed it up. He outplayed LeBron in game one, defending him. And I think he even scored more points than LeBron. So with that statement, he definitely backed it up and, and props to him. But it's a long series and he has to get you know the full brunt of King James tonight. Um, but that's that's a good point. Marcus Morris having to defend basically the, the game's best player there, um, yeah. you have to put him in top three with importance.
1: Yeah. Okay, well, I just wanted to throw that out there. I'm not hating on Jason Tatum at any means. I am hating on Kyrie Irving all day, all year, <laughs> all season, <laughs> especially if they end up making the finals this year. Uh, Max will never hear the end of this slander for me
0: there's already uh, there's already rumblings of how he's currently feeling <laughs> did you know that like he's that big of a baby that people have to walk on eggshells around him
1: he, he is a baby but going back to your previous question where do you think the rest of the Cavs points come from today then
0: yeah, Kevin Love has to score at least 20 okay forver JR, and George Hill has to have at least 30 among them and that's yeah. the only way they can really compete. Tristan has to grab at least 3 or 4 offensive boards. It's going to be tough. I I don't know where Cleveland's going to get their scoring. It's usually when they have a high output of, you know, points, it's really threes. So it's really just Korver, JR, Jeff Green, who I hate. Guys like that.
1: <laughs> Why do you hate Jeff Green? I think he's
0: so trash, man. Like he has LeBron's body and athleticism. Like he should be better. Yeah, what you mean. yeah. he has LeBron's no. body type, but he plays like <laughs> Kyle Korver.
1: Speaking of Jr., though, I think this game will be better for him. Just obviously had a horrible game one, but it was also in the middle of the afternoon, and and you can never count on him to have good <laughs> afternoon games, right?
0: <laughs> good point. He's yeah, he's still just waking up. Yeah. Right
1: <laughs> um. So it's a pick 'em tonight. Who do you have? If I had to put money on it, I'd put Cleveland. To win for sure, covering if not winning. I'd say both series are gonna be even up this next game, okay?
0: I like that. All right, let's jump over to the West. Uh, we'll start with you, Mock. What are your initial thoughts and reactions to Harden going off, but Houston still losing by double digits?
1: Yeah, I, I think I was pretty bummed. I, I was I think since I was under the weather and everything yesterday and, and had a some baby watching responsibilities last night. I couldn't go to the game, but I will be there tomorrow for game two. The game kind of, it was just as advertised. It was pretty amazing, especially in the first half, them just going back and forth, uh, kind of throwing haymakers. Both, both teams had their mistakes. Houston's bench just didn't show up to the game. Um, Harden had you know 39 or 41 points, but I think... He still passed a little too much in the second half, especially, and especially with the shot clock running down. You just can't—you can't have shot clock violations. You can't do the, like, little mistakes against the Warriors, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you can't have missed free throws. You can't have missed layups. And and the Rock has committed a lot of those and, and a lot of just defensive lapses. But, again, KD was KD, and that was some of the best work KD has ever put in. So uh, ever? Say what? Ever? He was— it was just incredible to watch just because... It's like, too there was,
0: easy for him, man.
1: It's yeah, so there easy. was nothing you could do. All in all, like the Rockets were playing pretty amazing defense on on KD, but at the same time, we gave up way too many points ball-watching, uh, backdoor cuts, and just these simple screens and weak side threes that were wide open that you just can't have when you have players of, you know, even Nick Young or, or Clay Thompson's shooting abilities.
0: Yeah, I have a couple comments, and then I'm I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Uh, so first, last night I didn't watch I didn't watch the game. I didn't get home until I guess towards the beginning of the fourth quarter. But when I checked my phone during basketball, you know, everyone was telling me how amazing Houston looked in the first half. Uh, a lot of energy. They were fast defense. Even I saw that highlight of the Clint Capella block. Um, yeah, that was sick on KD. I thought Houston usually, you know jumps out really slowly. The fact that they got out to an early lead, I thought it would have been not easy, but I thought they, they would have had it the rest of the way. So what happened there in the second half that deterred that?
1: I mean, we got out to a good lead in the first, like, four minutes. It wasn't a huge one. I think it was, like, eight points, maybe nine. Um, but we... So Harden went out of the game, and the bench just got outplayed, like Gerald Green came in and he just wasn't ready, he was getting worked on the defensive end, and a lot of that had to do with, D'Antoni I feel like was playing with matchups in game one and while I think Ryan Anderson should have room for a few minutes this series especially over Nene, he played him with Gerald Green, and it was just, it was really bad defensively like we are getting worked over by like David West, like assists in the post, it was was really tough to watch Um, so they came back with with Harden on the bench, and and a couple calls here and there, um, you know, I know it's part of the game, but they really hurt the Rockets yesterday with uh, Ariza got in foul trouble with a phantom, like, fourth foul on when Steph Curry dribbled off his leg. They called uh, Ariza for his fourth foul and and really threw off the rest of the game. Ariza was one of the only ones, I mean, I I don't know if it's just coincidence or not, but KD didn't score on Ariza the whole game, and he was just doing work on everyone else. Not coincidence. Yeah. And then uh, at the very end of the game, we we're down seven, I think in the fourth quarter. And there is kind of this loose ball, and it, it was a backcourt violation on Clay Thompson. He, like, we we both know he can't dribble, right? And they dribbled <laughs> off his own knee and, and went to the backcourt. And Harden, and everyone was complaining about it. And then they ended up getting an open three. So that missed Cobb pushed it to 10, and it was pretty much over after that. But, that that's, um, actually,
0: uh, that's actually a perfect segue to my second point. So a lot of uh, national fans or fans outside of Houston, I'm sure you know, they don't like the Houston Rockets' yeah. style of play, whether it's, you know, iso ball and then just threes. Um, but I think one of the biggest factors to them not liking or even being a fan of Houston is... Their propensity to play four fouls, and then the fact that let's say don't they don't get a call, for example, that Klay Thompson over, over, yeah. over and back, they just start complaining and they stop playing, and that really leads to yeah. you know really bad switches and puts them in a bind. How do you feel about um, is that a player situation, a coaching situation, or do you think that starts from your two leaders, Harden and Chris Paul?
1: Uh, I would say it's a combination of everything. I think we've been used to that for, for a few years now. And, and granted, this was at the very end of the game. We're already down. So it was, the comeback was already going to be pretty tough. There's only a few minutes left in the game. Yep. And uh, that's a huge turning point. It could be as much as as a six-point swing at that point for a really bad, easy missed call. But yeah, I, I think that kind of sums up yesterday's game. You know, the talking heads. And, and everyone who hasn't watched the Rockets, like you can always tell who only watches during the playoffs or who hasn't seen your team play until the playoffs. You know what I mean? Like these, these people are saying the same things about the Rockets. It's like, they're just now realizing that the Rockets don't pass, that the Rockets play iso ball. And uh, it's, it's something we've been doing the entire season. It's nothing new. Uh, We've won the most games in the league playing this way. So it's not like we're going to change anything at this point, you know? And, and to be honest, I think this is the only way you can beat Golden State. You know, you're not going to beat the be Golden State playing Golden State ball. Like, you're not going to beat them by passing better than them. You're not going to beat them. The way you're going to beat them is playing one-on-one with two Hall of Fame guards. It's not going to be like, like, what do you want them to do? You're not going to have, like, Eric Gordon who can barely dribble on his own, like, going off against, like, Draymond Green. Like, it's just not going to happen. So, offensively, I, I, I actually want to see more iso ball, like, Harden passed off way too much. It resulted in four or five 24-second violations. We can't have that in Game 2. But overall, I'm not too worried. Uh, Game 2 does become a must-win now at this point. But like I said, I fully expect us to bounce back and and win Game 2.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's great commenting there. With my second um, point, I do want to make the caveat. Houston is not the only team that complains about calls or missed calls I mean my favorite player LeBron James is part of the worst in the league in terms of not getting a call and then not running back on defense but I think Houston Rockets from an overall team standpoint out of the you know like 12 guys I think they have the most players that do it and so it's a lot more recognizable for the average fan
1: yeah um, I mean I mean, part of me does feel sorry for teams playing against the Warriors. You know, like, as much as me and you hate on them, we hate on them for a reason, right? Like, they are an all-time great team. Like, yeah. they are constructed amazingly well with people taking less salary or not, no matter how how you feel about that. It sounds like Clay is fixing to do the same thing that, that Durant just did, leave millions of dollars on the table to keep this team intact. They have the best shooters in the league, so in a lot of ways, like, I can understand them being frustrated when, you know, they have they have all this going against them. They're going against K D who cannot be stopped. He's like a seven footer with a guard handle and he's draining jumpers over seven footers. Like you just can't do anything about that. And for all that to happen, you're 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 trying to play your best basketball and then there's like easy miss calls on top of that. It's pretty demoralizing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean to add to that, Kevin Durant might be the best pull up shooter in that in the history of the NBA, too. So Yeah. Yeah, so my third point is regarding your isolation ball. Um, I think there was a stat floating around the internet today saying that, um, you know, Houston obviously ISOs a lot. They ISO and kick for the three, or they have the alley to Capella and things like that. Um, But I think game one, there was a stat saying that there were 50 quote-unquote super ISOs. I'm not sure what is the difference between a regular isolation possession versus a super isolation possession. But that number 50 is actually the most in the history of the NBA out of any game. And so there's a lot of rumblings right now. So Eric Gordon kind of called out the team for not passing the ball enough. And then James Harden kind of replied back today saying that you know, the uh, quote-unquote others or role players were not moving off the ball enough. So how do you feel about (laughs) the team dynamic and and where the mindset is right now?
1: I did not see that at all. That is hilarious to me, though. Eric Gordon should not be talking at all. Like, he should be hiding in a corner right now. He had an awful game, really an awful playoff so far. And this is coming from a guy who... I've been defending him all playoffs. Like, we need him to to do well, to remember how to play basketball, to remember how to dribble the basketball. He was, like, teams have to overplay him on the three-point line, right? So imagine being him and being kicked the ball off of, you know, a CP3 or a hardened dribble, and you have a guy closing hard on you on the three-point line. You have a wide-open three, or you can fake and just have it openly in the basket. He has that. It's, it's like an easy... The game should come so easily to Eric Gordon, like his situation, and he still manages to like dribble off his foot, like can't like turnovers. It's just, it's really hard to watch. He's bricking threes all over the place. So why do
0: you it, think his shot is so off? Because as a shooter, I mean, you know my game. You go through you know bad spells or cold spells. It may last a couple games. It may last you know a couple quarters. But it feels like this rut that he's in has been extended for multiple games. Um, why do you think that is? Because it's you're right. Like, if I was a spot up shooter with Chris Paul and James Harden at the top, that's know, a dream, right? Yeah, that is a dream. Like, you really just need to catch the ball and shoot, and you know the ball is coming to you. So I don't understand from a, a Eric Gordon or a uh, you know whoever else is there in the corner. I don't understand how they cannot shoot at least fifty percent.
1: Yeah, um, I I totally agree, Eric Gordon we're we're on the same page on this i i think it's mental right um like his shots yesterday he made two threes I, I think off the top of my head but like his misses weren't even close they were like brick to the side rim off the backboard it was it was pretty ugly to see and and when he would drive like he eric gordon complains so much and it's true he he's built he's built kind of like a mini lebron like he he's 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 pretty well built, but yeah. he tries to crash in there and he doesn't have the handle to really take the body contact that well uh so it's it's really herky jerky and and to be honest if I was the rest, I wouldn't bail him out with a call most of the time either right but yeah, he definitely needs to step up and like all our guys off the bench like Luke had the worst game of his career last night it was Jeez. it it was really bad he he missed like three. Layups right at the bucket. I don't even know how that's possible when you're, like, 6'9". He got swung the ball wide open.
0: He just Uh, started playing basketball, man.
1: (laughs) Wide open baseline three. He hesitated. Didn't shoot the three like he should have. Pump faked. And then he, like, stepped out of bounds on the drive. It's just, it was that kind of game for our bench. And we just need them to to step it up. Yeah. So
0: I have two more points uh, before I do that. I do... Regarding Eric Gordon, that's a pretty good comp. He's like a, you know, five inches shorter LeBron. But I think he has the same trouble as Blake Griffin. Like, they're big and built, and they don't mind contact, but they can't get lift after contact. And that's what separates a finisher, like, you know, even like a Kyrie Irving versus an Eric Gordon is they can take the bump and they can still lift either off one foot or two feet, so... That's yeah. really Eric Gordon's thing. Okay, my next point. I stated this in the previous podcast, um, but let's say you cancel out offensively, you cancel out James Harden, and you can't cancel out Kevin Durant. Let's just say they're a wash, right? Yeah. In my opinion, the only way Houston can compete is for that very next person named as the best player is Chris Paul. And right now, I, I don't know if he's out outplay- being outplayed by Clay, who's hit- hitting open threes. He also has an easy easy job, but Clay delivers usually. Or Draymond. Draymond's rebounding the ball. Coast to coast, finding open shooters, cutters, things like that. Uh so right now after game one, I have Chris Paul as maybe the fifth or sixth best player. Um he needs to be that number three guy. How do you yeah. feel about that?
1: That that is fair. I would say you're right. And I would bump that up. I, I think he needs to be like the second or third best player there in, you in know, this. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like Harden and C P three, like they had a ton of ISOs last night, but I would want more. Like I would be perfectly okay if if Harden like I feel like Harden needs to go for like forty five plus a game and, and C P needs to go for like twenty five plus for us to win. Um and they were just under that yesterday. But then again, you know the game yesterday came down to a couple mental lapses, a couple missed calls, a couple missed layups, and I mean you never know what's going to happen if, if for example, like Luke doesn't blow three straight layups yeah. in the in the second quarter, right? So it's a it's make or miss league, and and we we missed a lot more than we made yesterday, and we usually make those shots, so I'm not too worried going forward. But but quick shout out to the crowd yesterday; it looked like it was it was live in there, it was loud.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, you know me. I've always liked Chris Paul, North Carolina guy, um, Team Jordan, all that kind of jazz. I've always defended him. But I would say this is year 13, I believe. He's 33. This is the best chance arguably he'll ever have at a championship. I yeah. need him to be, like you said, the second best or third best player in the, in the series. And so I don't know what it is about Golden State, but to me, from the series or the playoff runs that he had with the Clippers, he's always deferred in these series. And so I just want him to to really step up. All right, the last point I have, and to me, this is the biggest Achilles heel of the Houston Rockets, is their freaking coach, Mike D'Antoni. He might win coach of the year, whether it's him, Casey, or Stevens, or Quinn Snyder. He's definitely up there. Um, So he might win, you know, the regular season award. But when it comes to like in-game adjustments, when it comes to next game adjustments, halftime adjustments, X's and O's, things like that, I just feel like Houston is at a disadvantage. And so what do you want Mike D'Antoni to do for game two? Because as you said, it's a must win for game two. Um, What, you know, matchup adjustments or substitution adjustments need to be made there?
1: It's a good point. Um, I think he gets a little too much hate. I do see where it's coming from, though. I, I was in the same boat before D'Antoni came over to the Rockets. I do agree that we are at a coaching disadvantage, at least when it comes to D'Antoni versus Kerr. Uh, Kerr is one of the best at in-game adjustments, you know, calling plays out of timeouts, all that kind of thing. But. D'Antoni, if I would say there's one thing he really needs to focus on for game two, I think it's shoring up the transition defense. It was pretty bad yesterday. It got to the point where, and we were talking about like leaving guys like Klay Thompson and Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, like wide open threes in transition. Like I couldn't even watch the shots. Like I would see they're wide open and I would turn away from the TV because I didn't want to see the shot go in because yeah. I already knew it was gonna happen. And there are just way too many instances of, the, of that. Um, like we would score a bucket, especially a second quarter. Remember, we would score a bucket, and then they they get the ball up in transition and get an open three within like four seconds. And granted, it was like Nick Young. Nick Young had a really good first half. I don't even know if he played the second half. But those guys, like these are NBA players. Like they're gonna score more time, more often than not, when they're wide open yep. in three, four, three in transition. So you just gotta shore that up and and just hope that. Katie just played the best game of the series, right?
0: Yeah, no, that's a good point. I think you also alluded to this, I think last night on Twitter, but I think D'Antoni just needs to shorten up that rotation. Um, yeah. It's a playoffs. We know who can play. We know which guys are, are made for this. And I think it's just, you know what? Let's just play these seven or eight guys and ride with them.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't think Nene should get any more minutes Granted, a lot of yesterday's kind of confusion was because of the foul trouble with Ariza. You know, having to put Joe sure. Green in there for extended minutes, but he might— who knows? He might come back with a little some Joe Johnson minutes to see how he does. Whoa,
0: Joe <laughs> Johnson!
1: You never know. But Joe uh, Green
0: was—that's taking ISO ball to the next level. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you gotta, you gotta lean into it at this point. <laughs> uh, but Gerald Green—he was—I I love him, but he just wasn't ready for the stage yesterday. He was. He couldn't guard anybody on the defensive end. But one last point: I, I know we talked about championship windows a little bit last yep. pod. I I would venture to say that this isn't only the Rockets' best championship window. Yeah. But I would say this might be the league's last championship window against the Warriors. Man, like if if these Rockets can't beat the Warriors, I don't see any other team being able to. You know what I mean? Like this team, the Rockets was constructed specifically to beat the Warriors. And if the Warriors somehow like go on fire and make don't even make this a series, like I just don't see how any other team has a chance, especially if Klay Thompson, he's talking about taking like tens of millions of dollars less to, to keep this team together.
0: Yeah. I mean Clay Thompson can sign a two hundred million dollar contract and if he's gonna stay in Golden State for like eighty, that is just- I don't know, that's just so like frustrating as an NBA I know, fan, you know. I know. <laughs> um, no, that's a good point that you make. Um they're also I think Curry's twenty nine or Curry's thirty, Durant's twenty nine, Draymond and Clay are also a high twenty. So they're they're in their primes. The only caveat to that is Durant and and Steph are very injury prone. So you just never yeah. know if, you know, their their career is gonna last as long as it's projected. But yeah. No, that's a good point. So let's uh, let's end the pod here. Uh, I want to hear your thoughts. So Houston is favored by one point five points on Wednesday night. How do you feel about that?
1: Hammer that, man.
0: Hammer. Okay. Hammer. And then the over under for the game is two twenty four point five. How do you feel about that?
1: I would I would hammer that over too. <laughs> I mean, nice. I, I think we reached the over this game, and and everyone's we missed. Like both teams missed layups. Yeah,
0: yeah, and it, free throws. It uh, I think it was like a minute left, and then you guys had hit the over already, which is is pretty good for NBA standards because usually it's it's really down to the wire there. So, um, no, thank you everyone for joining our podcast. Please check us out on iTunes. If you don't have iTunes, check us out on SoundCloud. It's Six Pennies Podcast. Uh, If you have any time, please leave us a review, leave us 5 stars, and also check us out on Facebook. Thanks guys!